I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's Florida, Georgia in Jacksonville this Saturday, the world's largest cocktail party and not just a big game in the SEC, but with national championship implications as well. Miami. Is going to visit Florida State in a battle of four and four teams. Can Willie Taggart keep winning and keep his job? And the NCAA says they will support players getting paid for their likeness while maintaining their amateur status. What do they really mean by that? We've got all that to discuss with Matt Baker, the college football writer for the Tampa Bay Times, on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, folks, false here, but it uh, doesn't feel like it outside. That means you're running your AC and your electric bill is going through the roof like mine. If you want to save 90 to 95% off your electric bill, listen to me now. May Electric Solar, that's right, they're a locally owned company, and May Electric Solar is the safest solar available, and they don't use high voltage like other solar companies. And May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all their equipment and labor. They have a full showroom that's open weekdays so you can see their products. Now, May Electric Solar has been around for 12 years. They've earned a great reputation with their customers and peers, and there's many other companies out there trying to imitate them and use their great name. But remember, they don't use subcontractors, and they don't subcontract with any company in any other way. Everyone knows it has to be May all the way, so let's stop the insanity of these out-of-control electric bills and start saving now. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. And if you call right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit through 2019 for switching to solar energy. Call the real May Electric at 727-819-2862. All right, Matt Baker joins us now. And Matt, before we get into the uh, Florida-Georgia game and all the games uh, around the nation this week, let's talk about, uh, I guess, a statement that the NCAA has released acknowledging after many lawsuits that they have lost that uh, they are going to support players earning money on their likeness and such. Um, why don't I believe these people? Because you shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, it's, there, when, when the news came out uh, on Tuesday, that there was a whole lot of hubbub and a lot of buzz on Twitter. I'm like, okay, well, let's actually see what this says. So you look at the statement. I'm going to read you the first sentence here. In the association's continuing efforts to support college athletes. Okay, we can pause there because how much have they really been supporting them? Okay, all right. The NCAA's top governing board voted unanimously to permit students participating in athletics the opportunity to benefit from the use of their name, image, and likeness in a manner consistent with the collegiate model. There's a lot of words there, and it sounds great. Because up there, they voted, not only are they supporting these players, as they always have, um, but they voted unanimously to add this thing that, a lot, that supports them even more so they can benefit from their name, image, and likeness. Consistent with the collegiate model. What does that mean? Oh. Exactly. You, you go on and read the rest of this word salad, and it doesn't say anything because it doesn't mean anything. It's, it's, it's a bunch of corporate sounding words that i mean they got what they wanted which is some nice pr and some nice headlines after obviously california passed the the pay-to-play uh bill 
and uh, Florida is looking at it, and, and I think Michigan and Georgia, and there's lots of places doing this. There's, there's federal-level stuff. So they look right now like they're responding and they're coming out kind of on top of things, trying to correct the issue before other people force their hand. But when you actually look at it, there's no there there, Rick. Um, so it, what, what I think is going to happen is this working group, Rick, is going to get another working group, which might form a subcommittee and maybe even another working group from the subcommittee to figure out in April what they might want to do in 2021. So yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a step in the right direction. Um, they've decided big picture we are in favor of this. But the devil's going to be in the details. I, I mean, I hate to say it like that, but it's absolutely true. Does that mean that they're going to let, once you're, a, once you're on campus, you can do advertisements? Maybe. Are they going to say if, you, if you're a recruit, you can't do it before you get on campus or you lose your eligibility? Are there going to be limits on how much you can get from whom you can get it? Um, there, there's a whole lot of, of thorny issues that still have to be resolved. They, they, they've cleared the big picture, which is doing something that almost everybody agrees is a good idea. Now they have to figure out the hard stuff, which everybody agrees is going to be the actual challenge of this. So I guess good on them for right now, but wake me up after the subcommittee's focus group, working group, subcommittee comes up with the actual teeth on this. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The NCAA has done very little uh, to support this or any other thing uh, with regards to student-athletes, in my opinion. Now, I'm biased about this, rightfully so, uh, because of my experiences. But, um, you know, this is an organization that has fought, as John Romano wrote in the Tampa Bay Times, a kid transferring to another school simply because his mother had a non-cancerous tumor and couldn't get around very well, and it helped him with his commute. I mean, they have gone to ridiculous lengths. I think they realize they're going to lose in court um, and have lost in court, so they can't fight the big battle. Now, with this word salad, they're going to attempt to regulate what constitutes, you know, the sort of things that can that athletes can profit from um, and, and probably get their piece as well. So, yeah, it, uh, it didn't seem like they kicked the can very far down the road, um, but the, there also seems to be almost an acceptance that, you know, people are calling college football and college athletics, which what it is, which is a professional enterprise. It's a it's a um, a money making and a huge money making endeavor where everyone gets actual cash except except the talent that's playing. Yeah, the, the, the players get a, a stipend. I mean, depends on the school, but you know, a few thousand dollars so that they can go out and buy pizza and the you know, go to the laundromat or whatever. Sure, um, sure, but. You're right. They're 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 artificially lowering. They've put a cap on what they're able to make, and the free market would allow them to make more. And this is, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, this this grandiose idea um, on the big picture, ten thousand foot view, just makes a ton of sense because this. It, I understand there are some real Title IX considerations and things like that that have to be thought about if you're going to pay the players directly. I understand right. that. There are some real things where it could, in theory, alter the competitive balance even more. If Alabama is able to play pay players ten thousand dollars a semester, where Auburn's only able to pay five, you know, whatever the numbers are. Um, so I understand there's some real uh, issues that would need to be resolved, and, and I, I hope that these conversations continue down the line. But in the short term, letting Jalen Hurts do a commercial in Norman for Joe's Rat Poison Exterminating Company doesn't hurt anybody 
that doesn't mean he's less he's not going to class um it hurts the rats so you gotta admit it, it hurts it, the rats i mean it, yeah it does it does hurt the rats i, I, I guess <laughs> i didn't think about the collateral damage there well hmm. right no, but aside aside from aside from the rats it doesn't hurt anybody and uh again i know there's going to be some some sticky points there but I think big picture, this is a an easy, obvious step in the right direction that, you know, again, doesn't have a whole lot of victims other than the poor mice. Well, we'll have plenty of time to discuss this because this will go on for about 100 more years um, before they figure out exactly what it's going to look like. So, uh, But interesting anyway that the NCAA uh, finally took the position that, yes, this is inevitable and, and we're going to... Uh, at some level, um, agree that um, it's going to happen. All right, let's talk about the games, and uh, none bigger uh, probably in the state of Florida and in the state of Georgia, and, and, and to some degree maybe college football than Florida, Georgia. The Gators had a bye week, so they've had a chance to uh, really prepare for this. I, look, I, I constantly come back to the fact that it seems as if the quarterbacks in, the, in this game are going to be the ones that, that determine the outcome um, what say you, Matt Baker? How is this going to go? How competitive will this game be? And is this not as strong a Georgia team as we've seen the last two years? I don't know if this is quite as good as the one a couple years ago that you know was in within second and twenty six of winning the title. But this is a, mm-hmm. a very good Georgia team. No, no question about that. Um, I, I think you're exactly right, though. It's 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 the quarterbacks, and, and I think the, to some degree the passing game as a whole that's going to decide this. And it's weird to say um, the, the last 13 Florida Georgia games have all been decided. You know, the winning team has been the one that had the more rushing yards. Now, some of that's not a surprise because if you're ahead, then you're probably running more. So you're going to get sure. that. Um, so there, there's other factors there, too. But I think that just kind of goes to this traditionally is a very old school SEC style matchup with running the ball and defense. And. I certainly think if Florida is going to win, that's not how they're going to do it. Because, for, I mean, for a couple of reasons. One, Georgia, I don't think, has still given up a rushing touchdown all season. So wow. that's one. Um, two is uh, Florida's run game isn't that good. I mean, they're, they're, mm-hmm. their biggest weakness as a whole is the offensive line. Um, they've got good, you know, we've got talented backs, obviously, I, I think very highly of Michael P. Ryan in particular, but they haven't been able to kind of put things together. They've had a few explosive plays, but by and large, they're they're not getting a lot of five and six and seven yard runs. It's either two or 70. So I don't think Florida's going to be able to move the ball down the field and win that way. So I think if Florida's going to win, it's going to be with Kyle Trask using the strength of the team, which is a loaded receiving core. And then I think the the X factor on Saturday is going to be Kyle Pitts, the tight end. Um, I I remember thinking that uh, at Florida Georgia last year, Georgia kept feeding the ball to their tight ends. I mean, Isaac Nada, an IMG guy, four consecutive catches on, you know, back to back to back to back, picked on the same guy, marched down at the end of the uh, end of the first half and got a field goal and uh, continued picking on on those uh, defenders all day. Um, so the Titans did very well for Georgia last year. I think this year, if Florida's going to win, it's going to have to be Kyle Pitts, um, just because I don't know that Georgia has guys who can kind of defend somebody who's as big and as quick as Kyle Pitts is. And if Georgia, you know, they've only given up four 100-yard receivers this season. One of them was Notre Dame's tight end, who wasn't exactly uh, putting up ridiculous numbers before. So I think Kyle Pitts is kind of the, the matchup and the passing game to watch, and uh, Florida's key to victory. 
Florida finally gets uh, a full complement of their defensive line back uh, in this game, correct? And how much how much will that impact what the Gators can do? Yeah, they are supposed to. Um, we'll see if indeed that happens. But uh, I talked to Jonathan Grenard, the Louisville grad transfer, who you know, I think he's been playing at an All America level when he's when he's played. Um, missed most of the last two games. He's he said he's going to be good to go. Jabari Zuniga, NFL quality edge rusher on the other side. Florida expects him to play. He's been banged up for a while. And then also on offense, they expect Kadarius Toney, an electric talent who hasn't put up ridiculous numbers yet, but uh, certainly one of the more talented players on the skaters team. They expect him back as well. So this should be a a Florida team that's, again, they're not going to be full strength because they don't have Felipe Franks, but as close to it as they've been in a while, especially on defense. And they're going to need as much help as they can get because, you know, Jake Fromm is, obviously a high-level NFL-caliber quarterback, maybe even a first-round guy still. And if they're going to be able to, to, to rattle him, they're going to have to to, to get a, some uh, pressure on him. Why hasn't Fromm gotten the uh, sort of the acclaim that we expected, or at least I did, coming into the, uh, you know, during the season? Has he not put up the numbers per se? Or, you know, we, we hear a lot about other quarterbacks, even in the SEC, besides we hear about Fromm. I think I mean, he hasn't been as great as he was last year. I mean, he's 29th in the country in passing efficiency. You know, only nine touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, last year, he was one of the more efficient passers in the country. And he's not playing at, at quite that high level. I think some of it, too, is Georgia lost, I think it was like their five, five of their six leading receivers from last year or something like that. And, mm. and you know, Georgia recruits at a high level, so you kind of thought they'd be able to, to replace them. And they haven't. They've taken a step back there. I mean, probably their best receiver as a whole this year, one of them has been Lawrence Cager, a, a transfer from Miami. He, was, he wasn't great at Miami. He, he was fine. I mean, he had the, the game winner to beat Florida State at Doak a few years ago, but he wasn't like just this all-America caliber freak, but he's been one of their better players just because Georgia hasn't developed enough at that position yet so i think it's a few things i think uh, you know like you touched on it but the sec's got some really good quarterbacks um obviously with Tua and what joe burrow's been doing at lsu so that kind of takes a little bit of the oxygen out and uh you add in some weaker receivers and i think the fact that georgia fans are watching justin fields the quarterback they had the five-star elite elite talent quarterback they had uh dominating at ohio state kind of Eh, we can we can things with from a little bit. You mentioned uh, Jonathan Grenard. You wrote a story in the Tampa Bay Times. Why is this game going to be so special for him? Well, one is he, he's an extremely competitive guy who watched Joe Burrow and LSU throw all over the Gators in, in a game that he hoped to be able to play. He started trying to play and just couldn't get it done. So. Anytime you feel like you're almost there and still watching your team lose, it, it, that that hurts. But he's also a Georgia guy. I mean, he, he grew up in Georgia, um, didn't like the Bulldogs, was more on the, the Gator side of that rivalry, wanted to play in the SEC, didn't get enough sniffs from SEC schools as a recruit. And now, that you know, he's a grad transfer. This will almost certainly be his only chance to take a crack at, the, at Georgia. And uh, believe me, he wants to win this one really bad. You know, the Gators have won 10 games before. They played in SEC title games before. Um, but for this program, has Dan Mullen arrived at this this intersection even sooner than many people thought, particularly since after the injury to his starting quarterback? I'm not necessarily sure everybody thought at that moment they would be here. 
Yeah, I, I certainly didn't think so. I mean, we, we just didn't know what the Gators had with Kyle Trask and Emory Jones because Emory Jones in, in 2018, his best play was an incomplete pass against Georgia. That's who he was. And Kyle Trask hadn't really played a whole lot of meaningful snaps and you know hadn't started the game since his freshman year of high school. So we had no idea what the Gators had when Felipe went down. So for them to be in this situation, I think, in and of itself is, is pretty uh, remarkable. Most teams don't lose a starting quarterback who's played as many games as Felipe has and, and still be in the mix where they are, you know, having beaten Auburn and what have you. Um, but just kind of even taking a step back and more big picture, for you know a year and a half in, for Mullen to be number six in the country with a legitimate chance of winning the SEC East on Saturday or almost certainly clinching it is it, pretty remarkable. It's not like... His predecessor, Jim McElwain, recruited at a super high level. It's not like he's competing in a bad conference or a bad division where you can get kind of fluky. It's nothing like that at all. Um, but he's you know, proven so far through his first year and a half that he is an elite-level tactician and play caller, which has the Gators uh, in just about every game. If they were to win this game, there's no reason they wouldn't win the rest of them uh, and then find themselves in the SEC title. You win that, you're playing for a national championship. So that would be uh, pretty high high level indeed. Uh, okay, well, I, I know you're not totally into predictions. Sometimes they make us make them. But how do you think this game <laughs> goes on Saturday? They do indeed make us make them, which, which is fine. Um, I will always remind people, if I were any good at predictions, I wouldn't be in this job. I would be in Vegas. Um, mm -hmm. But I like the Gators here. Um, Georgia really? has looked a little bit shaky. You know, it, mm -hmm. obviously they, they have some nice games. The, the win over Notre Dame was pretty impressive, even though in that they didn't look necessarily dominant. Losing to South Carolina at home with Will Mush. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Camp's third-string quarterback. The, the, you know, the the week after that, they beat Kentucky twenty-one nothing in the rain. Maybe you read a lot into the fact that the weather was awful, so of course they weren't going to like destroy them. But that was a really competitive game, even though Kentucky was using a receiver at quarterback. So I, I just don't think this Georgia team is is dominant right now. And I think Mullen, with time to prepare, um, and again some matchup problems, particularly with Kyle Pitts and, and a healthy contingent. You know, presumably on defense and everything else, I think Mullen's going to be able to out scheme Kirby. Kirby Smart, no question, is an elite recruiter, but I think uh, Dan Mullen, so far over his career, has proven that his O he can get the most out of his O's and have a chance to beat your X's no matter how talented they are. And I think, you know, I don't think it's a, a blowout or anything like that, but I, I think Florida by like a 27 24, 24 21, something like that. Can always rely on Kirby Smart faking a punt at the wrong time or something that it might help the, the Gators that on is Saturday. True. So this will be a great game. You'll be there, of course, right? At, in Jacksonville, am I correct? Okay. Correct. So 
Uh, we'll have that to look forward to. You can read uh, all week long uh, Matt's uh, previews and stories on Florida, Georgia, and Tampa on TampaBay.com. All right, uh, another big game in the state. Florida State, I guess you could say that Willie Taggart kept the Hounds at bay a little bit uh, by beating not a very good Syracuse team. But now they play Miami, who comes to Tallahassee. Boy, these two programs both need a win. This is going to be an interesting one. Um, what would what would beating Miami do? Uh, just another step in the right direction, I guess, for Willie Taggart, right? First of all, I, I want to correct something you said. I think you said Syracuse wasn't very good. Syracuse is bad. You, you were being very kind there. <laughs> I was Syracuse, being, yeah, I was. I like Syracuse Dino Babers. I don't know what's happened to Syracuse. They lost. They lost their quarterback, of course, in Eric, Eric Dungey, yep. so every everything changed. He was a really good, good college football player. Um, I think, which which probably helped them win more games than they should have. Uh, but you're right. I mean, they got flattened by Maryland. They've they've been awful, and it's been a big disappointment. I think. I, I think we should retroactively award uh, Eric Dungy the Heisman because <laughs> that's right. He, he had to have been God's gift to football, considering how you know how strong they were last year and how bad yeah. they are this year. I mean, Syracuse, I think, had one of their right their their offensive linemen like quit just before the game like they're just they're just they're just bad um sorry you got me all worked up because i, I a win I over love... miami would would do what um because miami's <laughs> not very good but it's a it's a rivalry it's a brand i guess you know if you can beat miami you can uh, i don't know what you can do but it's another look willie needs them all right he needs all of them right now well i think that's exactly right willie needs them all um miami is not great they're not bad either all of their losses, Rick, have been within a score, um, and, and they've been by you know four losses by a total of twenty-one points. And you go back and look, some of those losses they they probably should have been wins. You could say the same thing about Florida State. I mean, I, I guess just taking a step back for a second, the programs are a lot alike. They're, they're both four and four. Could easily be a yeah. game or two better than that. Better. Could easily be a game or two worse than that. Um, mm-hmm. I have no idea what either team is doing at quarterback. On for for Saturday, for next Saturday, for you know twenty twenty, I have absolutely no idea. I don't know if they know. Um, and these are were both coaching hires that I think made a lot of sense. And thus far, they haven't really worked out. Um, so to answer your actual question, rather than filibustering, what would a win mean for Florida State and, and for Willie? It would mean a ton. I just I, it's, I don't think it's again Miami's not great. But I don't think I can overstate how important this is for Willie, um, because if if he wins, then you're looking at obviously first of all they'd be going to a bowl, uh, almost certainly, and then you're looking at a potential seven and five season, which that's not great by Florida State standards, but it's a two game improvement from where they were last year. You can you can build on that. Um, it's something you can you can grow from. Uh, if they lose, then we're talking about. You know, again, adding in an almost certain loss to Florida at the end of the regular season, you're looking at Willie being 0-6 against his three rivals, Clemson, Miami, and Florida. And that's going to be a very, very hard sell for recruits. It's going to be a hard sell for the boosters. It's going to be a hard sell for the fan base. And it's going to be a hard sell for administrators. So, you know, I, I think the win over Syracuse obviously was, was nice. It, it cooled things down for a little bit. But if he loses to Miami we're going to have the same conversations we were having a week ago. You mentioned you don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. Apparently uh, they have three of them now because Cam Akers is taking direct snaps and may do more of that on Saturday. So it's really weird up there. Well, Cam Akers, all, all three, if you include Cam, 
All three quarterbacks played on Saturday for the Knolls. Cam Akers had the highest passing efficiency of the three. They averaged by, <laughs> by my <laughs> on his two on both of his completions. So I mean, there's that. Yes. Um, but uh, and, and they averaged 13 yards of play in their wild cam package by by my count, and it would have been more except the end zone kept getting in the way. The darn thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think that to me is a sign that this pro, you know FSU is really trying different things here. Um, watching the game Saturday, I, I there, there's been some kind of rumblings in Tallahassee about how much Kendall Bryles has been involved in, in his offense versus how much has been Willie Taggart. Because the whole idea was for Willie to be kind of the CEO. You know, they've got a almost million dollar defensive coordinator. Let him do that. And now they've got a million dollar offensive coordinator in Kendall Bryles. Let him do that. So I don't know with the first few games uh, how much was Willie, how much was Kendall. But on Saturday from my you know, untrained eye, it looked like it was a lot more Kendall Riles. I mean, I think Alex Hornibrook fits what Kendall wants to do maybe a little bit better than what James Blackman has done. And then again, using Cam Akers in that thing, it just looked like a very Kendall Riles kind of game plan to me. So I think yeah. that was maybe Willie saying, you know what, go do this. Let's, let's see what happens. And obviously it worked and we'll see what they're able to do Saturday against the Canes. Novel approach. Do what you have to do to win the game. Um, sometimes that's the best best uh, thing to do. Let me ask you about uh, some some teams and some games uh, from last week that affected them. Matt, I think Ohio State's the best team in the country. Uh, I watched uh, Wisconsin lose again, but they got pummeled, uh, and it wasn't even that close, maybe in the first quarter or so. Uh, this Ohio State team doesn't seem to have many weaknesses. I don't know that anyone's going to knock them off now, of course, until they get to the Big Ten Championship. So, uh, what are we watching with Ohio State right now? Um, we're watching the best team in the country with yep. three of the best 10 players in the country on it. I don't think that's mm. unreasonable. I mean, with, with running back J.K. Dobbins, quarterback Justin Fields, and, and Chase Young, the defensive end, who's probably the best player in the but, country. Probably the number one pick in the draft if the people didn't need quarterbacks. You're right. But I, I thought it was. I thought everybody was tanking for Tua. Now they're <laughs> well. Uh, they probably still will, but I, I, is that how that works? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, somebody's going to get the number one pick, and then maybe it's just a team that trades back to number two and takes the quarterback. But if you were just going to say the best player in the country should go number one, it's not going to be a quarterback. It would be it would be the Ohio State pass rusher. Uh, absolutely, and uh, again, I, I was a little bit slower to come around on Ohio State than others. Um, some my some my other colleagues in the, in the industry, just because. I had questions about Ryan Day as a really a first time head coach in his first year. There's going to be growing pains with that. I think that, you know, is one of the reasons why Miami is struggling a little bit. Um, But he has done a fantastic job. You know, Urban recruited at a super high level and they've just been mopping the floor with everybody. So when we've been watching Ohio State, Rick, we've been seeing the best team in the country that I think right now would be my pick to win it all. I think I agree with you. What the hell happened to Oklahoma when they went to Kansas State? I, I thought Oklahoma was going to run the table this year. You know, Jalen Hurts looks good. The defense has never been terrific, but my goodness, what a bad loss for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think some of it you give credit to uh, Chris Kleiman, the, uh, the Kansas State coach who's won a lot of games when he was at North Dakota State, um, coming up with a good game plan and executing it well. I think K-State's just one of those weird programs where – they never have a ton of talent, but they're always well coached. They're always disciplined. They're always smart. Uh, the Little Apple's a weird kind of tough place to play, and I think this 
you know, to some degree, this is just college football at its best, where you've got a team that should win eight times out of ten, and then on that Saturday, K-State just played better than Oklahoma. Um, I'm not ruling the Sooners out of the playoff mix or anything like that. Yeah, their, their defense stunk the other night, it, it, or the other day. It, it reverted back to typical Oklahoma defense rather than what maybe we thought they were uh, against Texas where they were tackling well and everything. Um, but don't don't rule them out. They're still extremely talented. Jalen Hurts is still one of the better players in the country. Um, they're not going to have a chance for a ton of marquee wins the rest of the way. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. Baylor's still undefeated. I think they still have Iowa State, who's a, a quality team. Um, but they're, 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 we're, we haven't heard the last, last from OU. I, I feel pretty strongly about that. I think you're right. Michigan and the uh, Fighting Khakis just destroyed Notre Dame in, a, in what was just a, an awful quagmire. Now there's talk from your boy, uh, of course, uh, Paul Feinbaum, that thinks that maybe Brian Kelly should move along. And, gosh, who else would want that job but Urban Meyer? (laughs) Well, I mean, that's true. I I think – I mean, I'm not breaking any news here. This is wild, fun speculation. But I I, I think Urban will coach again. I think there's only a handful of programs in the country he would want to coach. USC, I think, would be one, and Notre Dame would be one. So, yeah, I think to some degree that it makes sense to, to beat that drum. Um, but Brian Kelly has not been a slouch at Notre Dame. Like, it's it's silly that uh, we're, we're having that conversation, considering did, didn't he just make it to the playoff last year? Like, wasn't that a thing oh, yeah, that happened? Did. uh, mm-hmm. Didn't he also have an undefeated season and uh, play for a national title? I mean, yeah, they got they got their tails kicked. I, I understand. Um but you look at it, um, they've got a good chance still at 10 wins this season, uh, which would be a third consecutive 10-win season, um, and it would be his fifth 10-win season at Notre Dame. The previous three coaches at Notre Dame, that Charlie Weiss, Ty Willingham, uh, Bob Davey, had two 10-win seasons total. So it's, I think we have to remember Notre Dame is not the Notre Dame of my youth and your youth where, you know, they're, you know, their advantage of being on NBC all the time. That doesn't mean anything anymore. Um, it's a great historical traditional program, but the talent bases near them with, with like Ohio and Pennsylvania aren't what they used to be. So I think it's, it's, Notre Dame is still a big national brand, but it's going to be very hard to, for them to compete with the Bamas and LSUs and, and Georgias and what have you. So expecting them to compete for a championship every year is is not realistic. I think if they're consistently winning 10 games or on that precipice and every now and then getting a playoff caliber team like they've done under Brian Kelly, I think that's reasonable. And that's what he's done. And I, I don't I, I understand why people would be upset with him because it's it's a high-pressure cooker of a job. But I think it's realistic expectations. He has, he has done, you know, at least met them and I think exceeded them. Two things about the coaches in that game. I think that uh, Jim Harbaugh really needed that win. And, um, I, you know, again, when they look up at the end of the year and he has nine or ten wins and goes to a bowl game, I mean, that's sort of what Michigan hired him to do. They want, would love to beat Ohio State and would love to be in the national title games. But – um, that was a big one for Harbaugh, don't you think? Absolutely. N- now he's what two and ten against top ten teams. No, it's so not hey. good. Yeah, it's not good. But no, but he no he he absolutely needed to to do something to to prove that he can he can win at this level because again I don't think 
Michigan was in danger of, of firing him or anything like that. I think that's that's silly. But he needed sure. to do something to to prove that he can win at that kind of level. And sure. you know, a proof of concept that hey, we're we're still Michigan. We can still do this. And I'm still a guy mm-hmm. that can have this program playing at a high level. And uh, yeah. he'll have some more opportunities this year, including uh, one in uh, Thanksgiving weekend at the Big House against a, a, a team from down south. Well, that's always an interesting game. I don't think they have a chance in hell of beating Ohio State, but you never know. Brian Kelly, by the way, I'll, uh, my prediction, if if he could find an NFL job, he'd be happy to leave South Bend. I just feel like he's been angling for that for some time. I know there was some talk last year when the Bucks were hiring. Um, got a lot of phone calls about him. I just feel like he probably feels like he's done everything he can at Notre Dame and looking for the next avenue. So maybe it'll all work out for, for both Brian Kelly, Notre Dame, and who knows, Urban Meyer. Um, there's a big game uh, in the American Athletic Conference that uh, College Game Day has sought fit to go to and go to Beale Street, as a matter of fact. SMU's at Memphis. Would either of these teams, if they uh, continue to, to play well and run the table, have any consideration for, I don't know, a national championship? No. But we should. <laughs> you don't want to rethink that. You don't want to pause just a little longer. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm good. Um, yeah. Okay. But but it's let's. Yeah, here's one of the things with the playoff that that it's done. Um, it's made it so to some programs it's like playoff or bust. And I, you know, it's, I think that's fair for for your Georgias and LSUs maybe. But for everybody else, let's just sometimes take a step back and enjoy a really fun season and a really fun team. And both of these teams are having really fun seasons, and they're both really fun to watch. I mean, what what Shane Bouchelle's done with SMU reuniting or uniting with, with Sonny Dykes and kind of that air raidy system, it's fun to watch. I mean, the, their game they had against Houston uh, was a Thursday night um, was extremely entertaining. And, and Memphis, my goodness, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a team that's had running backs the way they've had their last couple with D'Angelo Williams, um, uh, Kenneth Gainwell this year. Oh my gosh. Daryl Henderson, Daryl Henderson, um, just three electric running backs all in the last few years. Um, I mean, this, this freshman, uh, Kenneth Gainwell, 979 yards, you know, he just extremely explosive and and a a fun team to watch for, for Norvell. So I, I think let's, no, I, no, they're not going to win a national championship. I, I wish we had an 18 playoff where an undefeated SMU or a one-loss Memphis that wins the conference um, and, and is clearly the best group of five team in the country if that's the way it worked out. I, I'd love to see a program, a system where they had a chance to win a national title, but I don't think we're in that system. So let's just enjoy a really, really fun matchup between exciting opponents that uh, I, I think Memphis wins uh, in a shootout by a score. Be a great atmosphere in Memphis, where our producer Steve Versnick met his wife on Beale Street. So, there's that. Matt, we appreciate the knowledge. Enjoy the game. It's going to be a big one, Florida Georgia. Boy, that's that's going to be uh, quite the rivalry, of course, for years and years to come. Always has been. But when you got national championship implications on both sides, man, what a great game that's going to be. We look forward to reading you in TampaBay.com. Hey, you got it. Thanks, Rick. My thanks to Matt Baker uh, tomorrow. Now the Lightning continue their road trip, of course, to the great states of New York and New Jersey. We're going to talk to Diana Neros, the Lightning beat writer for the Tampa Bay Times on Friday's podcast. And we'll get you ready for Bucks at Seahawks as they try to bounce back for what has been a couple of miserable three weeks or so. Hey, and folks, remember now, if your electric bill continues to go up and up like mine, it's still hot out there running the AC all the time. Call our friends at May Electric Solar. 
If you do that right now, you're going to also receive a 30% tax credit through 2019 for changing to solar energy. Call the Real May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. First Steve Bursnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.